The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmilzer. Our guest today is Seth Clark, who is the head of product at Modsy. Hi, Seth. Thank you so much for joining us on AI Today. I'm really excited to be here, Ron, Kathleen. Looking forward to a great chat. Yeah, we're really excited to have you too. So Seth, we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and some exciting things that are going on at Modsy. Absolutely. So I come to AI through a somewhat meandering path. Ron and I actually share an alma mater, both engineers over at MIT. And I would like to say I learned the art of withstanding torture really well from my time there, which is streaming well through the course of my career. I don't know if you had the same vibe uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. when, when you were going there, around. Well, they, they like to put you through the ringer, but you know, that's good. Keep everybody on their yep. toes. Yeah, that's right. So I actually, what you may not know is I studied ocean engineering there. And then I ended up actually getting my master's degree in yacht design. Oh, wow. So you might wonder, how does someone with kind of a hard engineering background, at the time I was doing a lot of computational fluid dynamics, mm. end up in this AI space? Well, long, circuitous path, certainly, but sort of discover the power of using computers to do math, transition that into some modeling and simulation, and work over the years, and found this kind of weird niche in between the world of software development, data science, though it wasn't really called that quite at the time, that has emerged into enterprise AI. So from a hard engineering background, I kind of found my way into this AI software space, which has been really fun. One of the things I really enjoy about it when you're building a physical system to design and plan things years in advance before you see something come to life. And with software and with artificial intelligence and machine learning models, you can see something come to life in a matter of hours, which is a really exciting place to be if you're a curious ADHD kind of person like I am. So through those transitions over the course of my career, I've found myself in a really fun position where I serve as the head of product over at Modsy, which is an AI platform that we've been developing to really help large organizations get a better handle on how they can scale artificial intelligence across some really complicated environments. Some of the things we're looking to do include creating a library of machine learning algorithms, AI models, you can call them, that do all kinds of crazy stuff. Analyzing satellite imagery, processing audio text and, and translating audio files from one language to another, doing text translation across you know, millions and millions of gigabytes of data, a whole range of different capabilities through this marketplace that our customers can get access to. And then also this machine learning operations or ML ops pipeline capability meant to help our customers really get an opportunity to have a better handle on how they're implementing artificial intelligence, scaling it, securing it, and governing it across their enterprise. So it's a pretty fun time to be in AI and we're having a good time of it over at Monty. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, this is the the resurgence of AI. And when I, I went to MIT, my undergraduate advisor was Rodney Brooks, who really made his name through the second wave of AI, that it's sort of the, the robotics wave and the systems wave of the late 70s or expert systems wave and early 80s. And of course, that kind of came and went. And now we're here in the sort of this third wave, the summer. And people have discovered, rediscovered, you know, neural nets and deep learning. And of course, through the power of big data and some pretty good computing infrastructure, we're making this stuff work where before yes. we couldn't. 
And, you know, one of those big changes that we've profiled here at Cognolytica as part of our AI research, we track about 6,000 vendors in the market. We do about 40 to 50 reports a year. And one of our more recent reports was on this machine learning ops space, the ML ops space, ML operations management, which is dealing with the fact that, well, when you've built a model, that's all nice, (laughs) but things are complicated in the real world, right? Models change and data has changed and we have to manage this model and some people should use the model and some people shouldn't use the model and you have to discover the model and you got to secure it and you got to do all these things, track it and do, you know, track changes over time, especially if you're depending on that model. And so this is this space is fairly new, even though AI is like 60, 70 years old, you know, it hasn't really been part of like the enterprise vernacular until like the last few years. So this whole area of MLOps is actually really very nascent. So from your perspective, you know, what do you see as the main aspects and components of MLOps? You know, I think it's the transition from theoretical to applied is really where we discover the need for machine learning operations or MLOps. The theory has been going strong ever since the emergence of you know, truly deep neural network architectures back in 2006, when we saw kind of the first broad-scale application of AlexNet. But you know, broadly speaking, the theoretical side of things has been doing a lot of cool stuff. As soon as you try and take all of this theoretical AI work and apply it into a real production system, all of a sudden you realize all the gaps that exist when it comes to taking a model that works on someone's laptop, um, worked on lab data, performed inferences at a really low speed, and now you're trying to pump your entire enterprise's data pipeline through these models, all of a sudden, there's a whole lot more that you have to do to get this working right. So I think MLOps is kind of the, the summary of needs that big enterprises and big organizations sort of discovered collectively that need to be met for AI to actually return you know, some sort of benefit on the investment that's made into it. So that includes making things more repeatable, kind of breaking out of this mindset of monolithic AI applications, adding in new security protocols and parameters, you know, managing hardware costs, because those can be really high when you start doing this at scale. So yeah, I really see it being kind of around the application of AI. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting perspective. And I'm not sure that many of our listeners are thinking about this quite yet. I know that Cognolytica, at the beginning of every year, we always put out our predictions podcast. And one of our predictions for 2020 was the increase of model as a service, where people are going to not be, you know, building as many models, but they're going to be purchasing and consuming third-party models. And Monzi has a model marketplace where companies can shop for pre-trained models. Why is this important to release this model marketplace now? And do you think that companies are ready to start consuming these models? Or do organizations still need a little bit more education about how to actually go about using them? It's a really fair question. And I think every organization is struggling with this right now, figuring out how do I use this thing that Harvard Business Review and all the you know blogs I read are telling me I need to focus on AI. How do I get started with it? You know, We've seen a lot of different customers at different levels of sophistication try to tackle this on their own. Some can be successful if you put enough time and money into it. But most organizations have a core business that they're focused on, you know, can't develop their own research and development lab for every capability that could benefit from AI. So at Monty, we saw an opportunity to provide a common way for the customers we're serving to have really specific needs that could be, you know, improved or optimized or sped up through artificial intelligence to get access to some of the leading tech out there. There are startups building AI models that could do just about anything you can imagine. If we have the data available, someone's building a predictive model, classification algorithm, or some kind of AI capability to address that use case. 
And rather than having to build everything yourself, you know, we see a real benefit to organizations that are in that growing process, kind of learning how AI is going to make sense and add value to their organization, just leveraging these things that already exist. You know, CTOs are always kind of going through this buy versus build decision tree, depending on the kind of organization. You know, typically you'll lean towards one or the other. If you buy it, there's huge cost savings, typically for things that are repeatable. If you build it, you have a lot more control. And so there's a balance that has to be struck. But we see having access to a marketplace of really solid models that can do some of the most common things in AI today really well. These would be things like computer vision, you know, language translation, text analysis. These kinds of capabilities don't need to be built in-house. And having access to really good stuff from great companies in a repeatable and, and kind of reusable way, we think is going to help speed up our customers' ability to accelerate their use of AI in an enterprise space. Yeah, for sure. I think that last bit is the most important part, which is speeding up the adoption of AI in the enterprise. Because a lot of enterprises don't have data scientists. They don't have the resources to clean even clean their own data. Heck, you know, <laughs> we challenge of, of dealing with data. And so these organizations that are much, much bigger, you know, they still struggle with that information, that problem. So of course, you know, shifting towards the model consumption will be part of it. So like, so in addition, we just mentioned some of those challenges, you know, a data, a lack of data talent and the folks lack of data cleansing skills. So what do you see are some of the challenges companies or governments, agencies are facing as they begin to use machine learning models in production, in operation? Yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't second those challenges any more strongly. The biggest challenges in artificial intelligence are the same challenges we've had for the last 30 years in data management, which is to say managing, storing, cleansing, organizing data still is one of the hardest things to do. And there are a lot of tools and products out there to do it well, but it takes discipline and, uh, and a lot of focus by an organization to actually put in place the mechanisms to manage your data well. So that's still really tough. I think specifically to machine learning, there's a few things that are emerging that we see as key challenges that you know organizations, as they start dipping their toe in the water of scaled AI, are quickly going to have to come to terms with. One of those is shadow AI. I don't have the exact stat, so please don't quote me, but uh, Gartner you know, did some research into emergence of shadow AI, which is basically the idea that artificial intelligence is getting purchased at the business unit level, but not necessarily at a centrally managed level, the vast majority of CTOs are going to have to deal with business units purchasing AI capabilities without their knowledge. And the risk here is that the artificial intelligence capabilities that are being used have not been vetted. No one's checking to see what data they're being run on. No one's checking to see how they're used, how they're being secured. And the risks associated with misusing AI can be pretty huge. One, from just a customer trust standpoint, there's a lot of sensitivity around the use of artificial intelligence on personally identifiable information or personal health information. These are really sensitive topics. So not having an understanding of where you're using AI can be pretty huge. I think the other thing is just managing resources and managing costs. The costs associated with AI infrastructure can be pretty huge. The physical hardware is actually very expensive, either buying it in real life or renting it through a cloud provider. So being able to manage those costs in a uh, sort of predictable way, I think is another big challenge that CTOs and CIOs are starting to uncover. I think the last one is really the human challenges that emerge when you're trying to implement AI. There's concern over you know, job loss. Are we taking people's jobs out of their hands, handing them to computers? Are we managing and, and securing things in a way that works with the agency's culture, with an organization's culture? 
a lot of those human challenges have, have really still yet to be kind of fully met. Yeah, that's for sure. I think those are realistic challenges for many companies, and that's why things are now shifting towards this consumption-centric perspective. Yeah, and it's interesting some of the points that you brought up. You know, we always talk about, is AI a job killer or is it a job category killer? What jobs will be taken away, but then what new jobs will be created as a result of this? And I think that, you know, time will tell. So this was a really informative podcast, and I'd like to end with what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations, governments, and beyond? Kathleen, I'd actually like to take that last thought that you mentioned around, you know, is AI a job killer and kind of do some prognostication on that. I see, I have a very optimistic view of artificial intelligence's place in the workplace. And I see us getting to a point where we not only accept AI, but reach out and appreciate the sort of distribution of artificial intelligence in all aspects of our lives as employees and as citizens and as consumers. You know, the places in in life where we've gotten used to and comfortable with a a model making decisions for us, in many cases, has been pretty great. I love using Google Maps and Waze, depending on the situation. And I've never really been that concerned with a robot knowing where I want to go and how best to get me there. Because, you know, 99 out of 100 times, it's right when I would have made a mistake. And I think that's a level of comfort that we just takes time to achieve. And so I think in the workplace, as we start to see more and more AI take over, honestly, routine processing jobs, things that are not that fun to do, things that can be done in a repeatable way. As that work gets taken off of our plates, I think it frees up the human beings in the workspace to use their minds in a more creative way, allowing us to do the kinds of things that human brains are really good at, connecting dots, finding patterns, you know, adding creativity, and developing sort of new ways of solving business problems. I think we're going to get to a point where everyone is eager and it opens the door for the AI robot in the cubicle next to them. Yeah, exactly. I think that's part of a lot of people's vision of AI really being part of our day-to-day lives, mm-hmm. you know, almost being mundane. And then maybe that's just because of where we set the bar, the threshold bar right now for AI is kind of mundane with machine learning. And then maybe we'll say, oh, and all the stuff that we were doing, as usual, wasn't really AI. <laughs> and now it's really the next more complicated thing. So we may be here again in 10 years, we'll see, you know, in terms of like redefining AI. But this, I'm this has sure been we will. good stuff, yeah. Yeah, and Seth, thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. Yeah, and we really have enjoyed having you. You've been a great expert in your expertise, and also your background all the way back to ocean engineering and MIT. I know, and yacht, yacht design. I'll give you one thing. You know how to ride the wave <laughs> of technology oh, man, adoption. There you go. Got to bring it all back. So, so thank you. Thank you again, Seth, for sharing your insights with our audience today. Oh, my pleasure. Ron, Kathleen, always a pleasure chatting with you too. You guys know your stuff and really appreciate the time. This is awesome. Thanks, Seth. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast today, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. 
For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.